Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Camille from sunny California, and you're listening to the Coffee Chat with Camille show, which is a podcast series that interviews various guests about real-life topics for people who love to learn. Welcome to Coffee Chat with Camille. This is Camille, your host. We have a, oh, first of all, happy Friday, everyone. We have a great guest and a great topic, how to be a champion of change and not a victim with Die Manual. Let me make sure my, okay, sorry, I have to make sure the microphone is on. Everyone can hear me. Um, Die Manual is a super dad or adaptpreneur, dating his wife with a lead to example way of living and a contagious personality who is on a mission to to positively impact one million role models around the globe. And um, yeah, Oh, I see. This is not right. One second, everybody. Okay, here we are. Hopefully everyone can hear me now. I think I have the wrong microphone in. All right, back to the topic is how to be a champion of change and not a victim with Die Manual. Die Manual is, is a super dad dating his wife with a lead by example way of living and a contagious personality who is on a positive mission to who is on a mission to positively impact one million role models around the globe to lead a functionality fit life through education, encouragement and community. Um Yes, okay. I'm just making sure I have to like triple check here. Um, one second, everyone. Sorry about that. All right. Just one moment. One moment. Just waiting for his file to load again. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's like a little problem with the bio. I don't know why. Okay. I give it one more shot here. Di Manuel is a super dead dating with dating his wife with the lead by example way of living and contagious personality who is on a mission to positively impact one million role models around the globe to lead a functionality fit life through education, encouragement, and community. He is an award-winning digital thought leader and author, distinguished toastmaker or toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company and a sought-after lifestyle mentor and and executive performance coach. Diana's a struggle 
of the juggle and keeping it his health and happiness a priority. He he models his work based on five five Fs fitness, family, faith, and finances, with an overarching roof of fun, built on a rock solid foundation of health. Nuggets of wisdom and inspiration to take action to be your best self are guaranteed when you connect with Die. Okay, so it's gonna send you the audience to join WLFM is a Mary dot com. Okay, so it's like www join WLF is in Frank M is a Mary dot com. Okay, he says that he dislikes labels of all sorts. He believes anyone can change at any given time if a choice is made and action steps are implemented. But more important to his process is the power of community with a team of like-minded people in your life corner. We can hold each other accountable to our lifestyle choices, pick each other up on those days we trip and celebrate our victories together as we inch our way closer to achieving a life of awesomeness. The whole Life Fitness Manifesto 28-day program is simple in design. So this... um. The whole Life Fitness Manifesto 28-day program, you'll find it when you go to his website, okay? You'll receive a daily email and various props, tips, workouts, with a with or without equipment, feel-good challenges, and the like, all with the end goal to with the end goal in mind of helping you enjoy a lifestyle of fun, fitness, family, and friends. Okay, so. Let me head over here to the studio and let Di in. There you go. Hi, Di. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Camille. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a great Friday. So, uh, yes, it well. is, eh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful shining, to have you, know, you here. It's a good day. So, yeah, well, Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. I really, really am happy you're here. Okay, we're going to get into the interview so that our audience, my audience or our audience, can get to know you a lot better. <laughs> What's the best way to manage change in one's life? <laughs> well, let's we'll start with the easy question, all right? And uh, No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I, I think we have to sort of talk about change in, you know, sort of the, there's that personal context, right, when we think about change. I mean, there's so many different ways that things change, but there's that change that we personally experience. And and I think uh, the way I like to equate it is, is for most of us, when it comes to our experience with change, it, it – I. It's kind of like a movie, and uh, for those that are listening, you know, you may remember back to a movie that came out in 1982 with Harrison Ford called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and uh, for those that have seen it, they'll they'll appreciate the first five minutes of the movie. There's a a fairly dramatic scene, and and you see Indiana Jones, and he gets this idol, and he's trying to escape this cave, but a booby trap is triggered. And all of a sudden, you see him run, run, run as fast as you can through this, this, this dark, dingy cave. And there's this massive boulder that's five times his size chasing him from behind. And I think that scene 
is a perfect metaphor for how most of us look at change in our life. <laughs> you know, we're Indiana Jones, we've got some prize or goal that we're working towards, and yet we feel like this boulder of change is coming at us whether we like it or not, and we might be a victim to it, you know, we might get bowled over. And I, I think we have to remember the best place to begin is think about the positive changes we've already experienced in our lives, you know, because change is just a system. It's, it's what we go through as we evolve. But uh, like Camille, how many times have you been through changes in your life? Big, big changes. Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I bet. Yeah. I feel like every decade. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and how do you look at change? Like, how do you feel about change personally? I think to improve, to become better, to grow, that you mm-hmm. must be willing to make changes and to change. So um, it's really just based on my perspective in life. And I just I just feel like we're just like a tree. We're just supposed to continually grow. So... <laughs> I think that's well said, you know, that's very well said. And and so your perspective yeah. is very growth mindset orientated. It, it, it's sort of what we refer to that as, you know, you have this idea of continuous growth, you know, change is seen as maybe challenging, but there's that belief that, you know, through change, we will grow and experience life a little bit differently. Maybe, maybe see life improve. And, yeah. you know, I think it does come down to the types of changes that we experience. Like for myself personally, you know, I, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition uh, a number of years ago. And, and, you know, this is in my mid thirties, you know, I'm now mid forties. And, and so about a decade ago, I, I you know, all of a sudden I, I got really sick and I wasn't really sure what was going on. And I'm someone that prides himself on having a healthy, active lifestyle and, you know, thinking that I'm doing everything right. You know, I'm, I'm eating well. I take time to manage my stress and my mental health. I'm active. You know, I've got good relationships. And yet I got so sick, I needed to be hospitalized for 10 days. You know, my immune system literally started to crash. And I was there like, what is going on? You know, it, it was very scary. And, you know, our health is so finite and it's so delicate, the smallest of things can throw us way up. And, and so all of a sudden I found myself thrown into this place where all of a sudden I started questioning my identity. You know, like I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a healthy guy. I thought I was doing everything right. And here I am in the hospital concerned that I might be dealing with some form of cancer or, or, or something else. And uh what happened was after they diagnosed me with this autoimmune condition and, and certain treatments were put in place, I started to get better. Um, I still have the condition, but I've had to adapt how I live my life based on now knowing I have this condition. So it, it was a change that wasn't necessarily welcomed. I went through the process of it. It wasn't easy going through it. But once I got out on the other side, and now when I reflect back on change, especially that specific incident in my life, I'm able to draw from it the lessons and the learnings, but more importantly, sort of shift my perspective to see how can I continue to move forward with life and in a positive way, even though I had this negative experience with my health. And, and, and I think that is what we're all trying to experience when it comes to navigating change, but it's often easier said than done. Yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then what are, yes, yes, and then what are some mm-hmm. of your biggest learnings and struggles you experienced while scaling a business to eight figures? 
<laughs> there's been a number of, of challenges that came with that. And obviously the, the one of the biggest challenges is people. You know, I love people. But also people are, are, are sometimes challenging to, to work with and to lead. And, and I'm calling myself out on this. It, it, you know, as the company started to grow and I found myself in a leadership role, I realized I wasn't very developed as a leader. You know, and, and sometimes they say, be careful what you ask for, right? Like we ask for maybe business success. We want to see our businesses grow, but we sometimes forget, well, what does that mean? Well, it means more customers. It means I need a bigger team to manage the more customers and deliveries and sales. And with that comes more infrastructure, more systems, mm-hmm. more operations, mm-hmm. but you need people to run that. And, and I got to say for myself, when I first started to experience that growth, was recognizing in myself that I needed to develop some better skills around leadership and communications. And that was where I struggled the most, you know, because if I couldn't articulate a message clearly and and really the why we would make certain decisions business-wise, I found that the teams wouldn't connect, wouldn't resonate, and ultimately uh, would, would challenge and by sometimes by just not doing the things that we identified needed doing, or sometimes just because they didn't understand, you know, and, and also I wasn't leading in a way that they felt inspired and motivated. And, and so for myself, that was honestly one of the biggest struggles. And, and for me, thankfully, I, I found a great mentor, a, a good business coach. And uh, on top of that, I started going to something called Toastmasters. And uh, I'll tell you, Toastmasters, it's accessible to anybody and everybody. It's a volunteer-driven organization around the world, but it helps you develop leadership skills as well as communication skills. And uh, it it was honestly a a game changer for me. And I've been uh, around that community now for over a decade, and uh, I don't ever see myself not being a part of it. It's just been so instrumental in helping me grow as a person um, as well as a business owner. Wonderful, wonderful. And then what do you mean when you say dating your wife of 21 years? <laughs> well, you know, language is a big, big deal, especially in our household. And, uh, you know, it's that little voice in our head that speaks to us when we have nobody else around. And sometimes we have to wonder, is that voice negative or is it positive or is it neutral? And often I, I would find myself thinking not always about positive things. And, and I would see this showing up in lots of different areas of my life, you know, either as a businessman, as a friend, as a son, but also as a husband. And what I realized was there's power in intentions when, it, when we select certain types of language. And for my wife and I, we recognized that as our relationship continued onward and our kids started to get older, you know, after about a decade together, you start to realize that you just get so comfortable with each other. You know, every, you think you, you know everything about that individual. And we found that we had changed a lot in that 10 years. And now, you know, in our second decade together, you, you know, we're actually heading into our, you know, 23rd year, uh, I got to say, if we didn't intentionally take the time to date one another, we wouldn't have the opportunity to continuously get to know each other because of that person that we're changing and always changing into, but also that opportunity to fall in love with each other again and again. And, and that's why I invite anybody that's in a long-term relationship, well, think about forever dating. You know, like you're never going to stop dating each other. You set that intentional time 
to have those great conversations, those discovery conversations, so you're constantly reconnecting with that person again and again. And, and so, yeah, with, with that intention, my wife and I refer to each other as, you know, literally dating our spouses for, for over 20 years now, and uh, it, it definitely helps. It really does, and it's uh, allowed us to, to really maintain a very strong and healthy relationship. Sounds so great. Great, great, great. <laughs> what is <laughs> the most powerful question that you've ever been asked? Well, uh, to, to be fair, you know, at different periods of my life, there's been different questions. And sometimes those questions are, well, they're, they're, they're not only empowering, but they are sobering. Uh, from a standpoint, it, it can bring us instantly into focus uh, and getting very real about our own lives. And uh, I, I'm not shy to that. You know, it, it was almost 14 years ago, I was at my worst, battling with alcohol. And I, I just found myself, it was a very easy distraction. It was my way of dealing with stress and overwhelm. And, and really, it, to be fair, Camille, it was just an escape for me. It was how I escaped the pressures in life, you know. And in my early 30s, I, I believed that ah, there was all this stuff I was working on. You know, I had a growing family. I had a business. I had community initiatives, you know. I just had all these things. And, and yet, at the end of the day, I was doing it to distract myself from really taking ownership of my own life and some of my choices I was making. Anyways, long and short of this story, I, I got to this place where I, I got extremely inebriated the night before. I don't remember how I got home, but I woke up the next day. It was late. It was almost noon. My wife was already up with our two girls, our two daughters, both under the age of six at this time. And uh, I made my way down to the kitchen. And my wife was there and just glared at me. And it was this look on her face. You know, we had been together for about a decade at this point in time in our relationship. And, and the way she looked at me that morning, or almost noon at that time, uh, it was this look that I'd never seen on her face before. And it was just sort of this look of, of disdain and, and, and just really, I'd go as far as to say disgust, you know, uh, from the standpoint that she's always been a person that saw the potential in me. And that's what I, I always loved about her. She had this ability to, to pull the best out of me. But that look wasn't there now. And she waved for me to come to the kitchen table, sat me down. And uh, the next thing out of her mouth was, you know, this isn't the environment I want to raise our kids in. Let's talk about what it's going to look like to co-parent our kids and, and, and literally not be together anymore. And, and, you know, at that moment in time, that was not what I was expecting. It's not what I wanted. And to be fair, it's not what she wanted either. And uh, we continued that conversation. A lot of tears were shed. Um, but we got to a place where she just asked me this question. And this question changed my trajectory in life forever. You know, and, and she literally asked me the question, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? And I'll tell you, Camille, when she asked me that question, it was like instant focus on the reality that the person that I was modeling and how I was mentoring not only my kids but the people around me, I was the opposite of that, you know. I wouldn't want anybody like me at that time to show up and try to get close to my family or close to my friends because I would, I just wouldn't want that for them. And yet, that's how I was showing up. 
And so it was in that moment I made a decision, you know, that I, I'd go a year without drinking. And uh, after that whole year happened, uh, got to a place, and my wife and I looked at each other, and I was like, so much has changed. What if I just kept going down this path? And, yeah. you know, I'm coming on 14 years now since I had my last drink. But I'll tell you, it all started because of that question. I really did. Oh, powerful, and congratulations to you. And then Thank why you. do you do? You're welcome. Why do you do what you do? Well, for me, you know, at 17 years old, I, I had just overcome two years of really doing a lot of changes, you know, as we're all familiar with change, but I've had a number of significant changes. And at 15, I remember going to the doctor with my mom and the doctor looking at my mom and saying, Betty Ann, die is morbidly obese. You know, and, and at that time, I didn't understand what morbidly meant, nor did I understand what obese meant, but I knew it, it wasn't good. You know, I knew how I was feeling at that time with the BMI well into my 40, uh, 40 percentile. Like, I, I was very overweight as a kid. It took me five years to get that place of unhealth. And I was very depressed, isolated, just a lot of the, the, the stigmas and cliches that we associate with someone in that state of unhealth. That's just how my life was at that time. And, uh, you know, I, I got, came to a place where I decided to make some changes. You know, it took me five years to put the weight on. It took me 20 months to take it off. But by 17 years old, I had hit this place where all of a sudden I had this new sort of energy and perspective on life. I had this new healthy lifestyle. And I recognized that there was people around me that started to come to me and ask me for advice and support in making health changes for themselves. And I'll tell you, when that started to happen, I felt so excited that here I was, someone that had value to offer and a way to help others. And it made me feel so fulfilled. <laughs> I, 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 so fulfilled. I slept so well. Every night I had that positive interaction with somebody who was able to help them make some health changes. I, I knew right then and there, it didn't matter what I was doing the rest of my life, coaching and mentoring people to make health changes was going to be a big part of it. And, and literally, I've been doing it ever since in lots of different capacities. But that's, that's really why I do what I do. Excellent. Yes, yes. And then how have you found balance when dealing with the struggle of the juggle of life? <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, um, it's always a struggle of juggling all the things that we do in life. You know, if you're someone that, that, that has a yes life, meaning that you say yes to all the great opportunities and opportunities and, and, and opportunities, I mean, they literally, they, they, you'll find that there's always something that comes at you. And if you're wanting to be able to say yes and really experience that at its fullest, you're going to find there's always going to be a struggle of juggling all those things. And, and for me, it's like, why not stop juggling and try to discover how to create more harmony? between these areas and what I mean by that is you know when you change your focus or attention to one thing in your life you automatically have to turn your vision to look at that one thing and you can't see anything else around you and and that really applies to when we're focusing on certain areas in our life that's how we see improvement in those areas but this constant juggle and trying to move back and forth between all these different points can be very, um, well, to use the term, discombobulating, right? It's very distracting, but also we find it tough to make a lot of huge improvements. So my ask of people is don't worry about trying to find balance, but try to create harmony. 
meaning that you see these things sort of flow, your energy flows back and forth from all these different areas, but it's not creating a lot of stress. It's not creating overwhelm. You still feel very connected to those areas of your life, but they're, they're finding that they tend to come together in a much more smooth fashion and more manageable fashion. And, and the easiest way to get started on that is I invite people to start really blocking time, you know, managing commitments, not managing time. And we do this through time blocking. So grab yourself a calendar, use different colors to associate different ways that you're going to spend your time throughout the week. I use pink on my calendar for my family time. I use yellow for any um, in-person meetings. I use green for calls. I use black for events. I use red for my fitness. And so I block out all these important areas that I've identified as being important for me. And then at the end of the week, I can see based on how much color is on my calendar, how much time I've, I've invested in doing certain things. So if I only see one block of pink, and pinks my family, and it's very important to me that I have lots of family time or quality time, and I recognize, geez, I only had one hour of that last week. No wonder I'm feeling so disconnected this week with my family. Because last week, I didn't really spend much time connecting with them and spending time with them. And so when you can start to see how these changes in your focus and where your energy is going and see it represented in a picture on your calendar that's colored, you learn very quickly where those opportunities to create more harmony exist. And so that's just one exercise or one way of really starting to, to implement what we're talking about right now. Yes, that's excellent, excellent. And then what lifestyle habits has had the most significant impact on your life, which you kind of touched on just now, and why? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the time blocking exercise has been something that's just been a huge part of my life for, gosh, I'd say almost 20 years now. So it's it's a really big habit, and uh, I'd call it more of a lifestyle now, but it, it really helps me with not feeling so overwhelmed and stressed because I know there's always time to do the things that I want, and if there's no time, then I know it's an easy no. So all i got to say is no. <laughs> uh, that sounds great, but no right now because I don't have the, the space to create that in my life. Um, outside of that, one of the most effective, and it's something I'll do till the day I'm no longer here, is creating time for myself to invest in my health and well-being every day, whether that's physical fitness, mental fitness, emotional fitness, spiritual fitness. It just means I'm taking intentional time to work on those areas. And, and so my physical fitness, especially every day, I'm active. I move my body with purpose, whether it's getting up for a walk in the sun, going for a bike ride, you know, going to the gym. It doesn't matter what it is, but every day I like to move my body so I can feel my heart rate elevate. I can feel that, that air filling and leaving my lungs. I can just be really present to my body. And uh, that's something that's worked for me very well and has helped me manage my mental health in a very positive way as well. Thank you. And then uh, our last question, why do you believe that vulnerability is a human thing? <laughs> well, let me put it this way. You, you know, um, we're human beings, right? Human beings are emotional. You know, we're not just emotional human beings, but human beings are just emotional. Like, we're, we're emotions. That's who we are. <clears throat> and if you think about that, how do we express emotions? How do we express and create connection? 
And it's often an act of vulnerability. And what I mean by that, it's someone usually going first that opens up about themselves or about a situation, about a belief. And that, with that other person or group, it then allows them now this opportunity to connect deeper, to better understand or even empathize with that individual. And in turn, that also creates a little bit of trust. And when we have that trust, we're more inclined to open up as well share maybe a point of view, a perspective, an idea, you know. Um, but it all takes a little bit of vulnerability of us saying, you know what, I trust this situation or person enough, I trust myself enough that I can divulge this bit of information or this, uh, this, this you know, perspective or state of mind. And I know that in certain circles it's really challenging because if we haven't had good positive vulnerability emulated or mentored to us, we may see it as a negative thing. We may see it as a, a, something that people will take advantage of us over, you know, because maybe we've had a bad experience with opening up with somebody that we did trust in the past. And that person took what we said, told somebody else, or maybe started to use that against us. So it creates this negative relationship with this idea of being able to open up. And we don't want to open up for the sake of opening up. Um, people do have to earn that vulnerability. It's not just automatically given in every situation, but it is an important skill that I believe we can all develop. It's not just a woman thing. It's not just a man thing. It really is. It's a human thing, you know, and, and, and that's why I, I really want to reiterate that. It's, it's a human skill. It's not just a, a gender skill, you know. Yes. Okay. Thank you so very much. And um, just like to know, you're welcome. You're welcome. And um, I just want to know, what is your favorite coffee and or hot beverage? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a huge fan of cold brew. I love cold brew coffee. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> drink, especially during the summer. Um, and the longer they steep it, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I, I like it nice and dark. And uh, as far as the hot beverage is concerned, I, I, I also like my, my espresso. You know, I, I, I love espresso, yeah. so, especially before a workout. <laughs> excellent, excellent. This has been a great interview. So much you unpacked very quickly and thoroughly. It was really great. And uh, I'd just like you to please leave, you're welcome, to please leave your, um, what is it called, your social media handles with our audience. <laughs> Well, fortunately, having a unique name makes me easy to find. Uh, Di is a Welsh name for David, and it's spelled D-A-I. And my last name is Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. So if you can just type my name into any social media channel, you'll find me really easily. And uh, I always say, just send me a note. Um, I always love to meet people and connect and, and, and hear what are they working on right now? What are they working to change? Uh, I figure it's always a great place to start a conversation. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Di. It's been an absolute you, pleasure. <laughs> You're welcome. And bye for now. Bye for now. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everybody. That was the magnificent Di Manual. And I hope that you are able to take away quite a bit of kind of like positive, it's a lot of positivity in his uh, messaging. And and um, I just hope that it, it was as impactful for you 
as it has been for me, and I'm just so thankful that he took this opportunity to spend on the show here, and uh, I want to say again, happy Friday to you all. Thank you again, Dolly Manuel, and thank you, audience, for listening. You can find um, most of these episodes on any of the streaming um, platforms, okay? And actually, I'm the Spotify. I'm still working with them. Um, to get my episodes up again. So in the meanwhile, what you can do is go to blogtalkradio.com and just put in Coffee Chat with Camille. And also, I do have a website with all of the episodes on there. And also, um, Dice Contact Info. I'll add, actually add the, um, what is it, the link that he just gave right now before our interview closed. Okay, and and or again, like you said, you can also just uh, probably Google his name and a lot will pop up for you. Okay, so if you go to coffeechatwithcamille.com, you'll be able to find this episode. All right, it's called How to Be a Champion of Change and Not a Victim with Di Manuel. Thank you all very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've shortened the time from harvest to home for our tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So no matter how you shop, you have more time with your fresh produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. We've locked in low prices to help you save big store-wide. Look for the locked-in low prices tags and enjoy extra savings throughout the store. Kroger, fresh for everyone.